All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to LifeBridge. Come on in. Thanks for joining us. Glad you're here today. Um, yeah, we're here. Church is about more than just gathering together. Churches, uh, we gather together in order to grow together. So that's part of what we're here to do on Sunday morning is to hear from Scripture, to worship together, to uh, get to know one another and be involved in each other's lives on Sunday morning. This is where we connect, and this is where we can grow together and grow closer to Christ. So Sunday morning is about a lot of things, and in part it is about spiritual formation and us growing into the image of Christ. If you want to get more connected here at LifeBridge, my LifeBridge is the place to do it. Uh, you can sign up for upcoming event, or you can get information about upcoming events, and you can sign up for email and text updates. The sermon, audio, and devotional will all be on there. We do a five-day-a-week devotional, so if you're not following along with that and getting the five-day-a-week devotional, you can sign up for it on there. It's connected to the sermon, and it goes into a little bit more depth and detail as to the interpretation of the text um, in the devotional. So mylifebridge.church is the place to find all of that info. Giving, thank you for your giving, for supporting our mission here in Burlington. You can give online, you can give through Venmo, or the giving boxes in the front and the back of the hallway, those black boxes out there, uh, you can place cash or check in there. Generosity is something that we are called to practice as Christians, in part, again, because it forms us and it changes us. Through our generosity, we are practicing love and self-sacrifice, which we're going to talk about today. It's it's love in action, is generosity, the willingness to give of what is valuable to you to something that is more valuable. And what that does is it forms us by forcing us in very practical terms and practical ways to put aside our selfish desires and our wants and to give towards something that is more important. Spirit-Filled Life Conference is coming up, so at the end of every campaign, which is a long teaching series, uh, at the end of every campaign, we do a conference week. So we try to keep our calendar pretty bare throughout the, the regular rhythm of our longer teaching series, or what we call campaigns. Um, and then at the end of the campaign, we just have one week of just focused growth. So that we call our conference week, and this conference is coming up August 21st through the 28th, and this is our Spirit-Filled Life Conference. We have 101 courses Tuesday and Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Ownership 101 is the place to start. So that's like, how do I take ownership of my faith? The basic gospel, the outline of the gospel, what are my first steps into the Christian life? So if you haven't done any courses yet at LifeBridge, Ownership 101 is the place to start. So that you get the big picture layout of, how, uh, uh, of the gospel and what it is and where to start in your faith and how, how we, uh, what we believe the gospel to be here at LifeBridge. And then if you've done Ownership 101, the new course that we're offering this conference week is Holy Spirit 101, where we'll be talking through who is the Holy Spirit, and we'll talk about how the Holy Spirit works within us through the fruit of the Spirit, which we've been talking about in this campaign, and the gifts of the Spirit. So then we'll go through the specifics of the gifts. In the teaching series, I haven't gone through like the individual gifts and what they are. Uh, we're saving that for the course, for Holy Spirit 101. And then on Wednesday, from 6 to 7.30, we have what we call Soul Care Night. Soul Care Night, we're going to gather together. We're going to have food. Um, we're going to share a meal together. Uh, we're going to worship together, and we're going to pray together and be a part of just experiencing God. So the theme this year, this campaign is going to be the presence of God. 
in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the personal presence of God in our lives. So we're going to just practice the presence of God together in community. I'm going to encourage you to experience the presence of God in your daily life rhythm through your disciplines. So there are cards. Are there cards still laying around out there? All right. So if there's a card out there, grab one next to you. I'd encourage you to fill that out now. These conference weeks, again, like I said earlier, we, we try to make these the thing that we put on our calendar and get to. This isn't the thing that we say, like, oh, if I have time, the day before, I'll show up. Now, these are the things that we want to, again, focus on our intentional growth and our spiritual growth, and these conference weeks is a great way to do that. So, if there's a card sitting next to you, grab that, fill it out, um, and just pass it down to the end of the rows and leave it on the seat at the end of the row. Good deal? All right. <laughs> so, fill it out. Uh, let us know that you're coming because at all of these events, we will have childcare and we'll have food. So both of those, it's really important to know how many people are coming so that we can prepare the appropriate amount of food and so that we can have uh, the right number of childcare uh, people to take care of the kids. Okay. Now I'm going to invite up um, John and Leslie Thorngate and my wife Savannah. John is our administrative pastor here at LifeBridge, and as many of you already know, uh, we sent out communication about this, oof, probably a couple months ago. Um, John is going to be going off staff uh, as our administrative pastor. And to, just so you guys know, John will still be attending church here. John and Leslie are still going to be a part of what's happening here at LifeBridge. They're still going to be uh, John's still going to be leading worship. Leslie's still going to be helping out in all of the ways that she does. Leslie helps out in so many different avenues and areas of the church. So they're still going to be here. They're still going to be participating in the life of the church. So this isn't, at least for, from your perspective, this isn't going to be a very dramatic change. Um, the Thorngates are still going to be here. They're still going to be, as I've said like four times already, participating in the life of the church. I'm saying that for repetition so that you guys know. They're going to be sticking around. Um, but John is going off staff as our administrative pastor. John has been the administrative pastor of our church for eight years now, which is the entirety of our church's life. John and Leslie were on our original church plant team, um, and they have been serving faithfully uh, John in his formal capacity as the administrative pastor, and Leslie in helping serve in any and every <laughs> avenue of the church life. Um, so if you have further questions about this, about uh, why this is a uh, personal decision that John has made and that he believes is best for the church and for his family, we aren't uh, there's no contention between John and the church. There's no contention between us about, uh, about any of this. So if you have questions about this, I encourage you, we put up a one-page uh, one page write-up on the website. If you need that link, just let me know, and I can send it over to you, and you can get all the details about that, about the decision and about why and the opportunities that this presents for our church. But I'm not going to go through all of that with us all here together. So if you do have questions, please... Uh, you can ask John. <laughs> he's he's going to be here. You can always just talk to him. You can talk to me. Um, and just please ask or go to the website. But we, are, we wanted to just take a moment and pray for them together as a church 
and to, to honor them and uh, to do that on Sunday morning with all of us here together. So, we'll come, we'll come over by you guys. Man, there's lots of chords and stuff over here. So we're just going to take a moment and just for you guys join with me in prayer for the Thorngate family. Father, Lord, first and foremost, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you for who the Thorngates are, for their spiritual growth, for their just quality of character that they have brought to this church. And Lord, how they love, how they love this church, how they love the people here. Lord, how you have formed them into the image of Christ. Lord, that extends far beyond anything that they've done here. And Lord, they've done so much good for this church. They've cast a vision for this church. They've listened to you and your spirit's guiding. And Lord, we thank you for all that you've done in them. That Lord has such a strong influence in all of our lives. And Lord, we thank you for the work that they've accomplished here. Lord, for all that they've done in establishing, building, creating this church culture. Lord Jesus, that is centered on you. It's not centered on a person. It's not centered on an individual other than you, Christ. So Lord, we thank you for them. And Lord, we look forward with hope and expectation of, Lord, the continued work that you're going to accomplish through them here, their continued personal growth for their family. And, Lord, as their family grows and the, the joy, the opportunity that it is to just, just experience the love of community together that is centered on you, Jesus. So, Lord, we thank you for them. And, Lord, we look forward in hope for this new transition and this new phase of life. And Lord, we ask you to bless them and give them wisdom and direction. Give them peace. And Lord, help us as a church family to come around and support them in this time of transition, to just love them and to be there for them. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Leslie. <clears throat> Man, I knew that was going to be hard, but I fought through, I persevered, I made it. <laughs> so, yeah. <clears throat> okay, let's pray, and then we'll jump into our sermon for the day. Lord, God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for this church. Thank you for your spirit's work inside all of us who believe and are followers of you, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue that work today as we explore what a spirit-filled life looks like. Lord, that you would fill us. Lord, that your spirit would accomplish what your word is sent to do, that you would produce that fruit within us, that you would change us through your word, Lord. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, our campaign is called The Spirit-Filled Life. We've been looking at what it looks like to live a life that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. We spent the first few weeks while we were outside talking about the fruit of the Spirit and how we can't talk about uh, a Spirit-filled life without talking about 
the fruit of the Spirit, as Paul describes it, because the fruit of the Spirit just means that which the Spirit of God produces in a believer, right? So the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, these things that we tend to think of are so natural, Paul, in Scripture, guided by the Holy Spirit, tells us that, no, these are supernatural. These are supernatural qualities produced in us by the Holy Spirit of God. So these are necessary for a spiritual life, to live a healthy, spirit-filled life. And these are the foundation of it. Without it, we're just not living a spirit-filled life. And then the second half of this campaign, we're going through the gifts of the Spirit, what Paul describes as the, the gracious gifts of the Spirit. We spent the first week just talking about how it's a gift. And how we respond to a gift is different than how we respond to something that we've earned. Okay, we just respond with thankfulness and proper use. Right? That's kind of that's it. And then last week we spent some time talking about the diversity of the gifts and how we need all of the gifts working together within the church. And that creates tension because when we, value, when we have different gifts, that means we kind of value different things and we bring our, our different talents and our abilities and our different divinely uh, empowered gifts to the table of the church. And that can create tension because we're in our lane wanting to focus on our thing while others are in their lane trying to focus on their thing. And then when they conflict or just don't work well together, then we can, it can create a lot of tension within the church. But... The church is called to do all of those things, all of the gifts we are called to do. We can't just pick one and say, this is our lane. We're the teaching church. So we just think with our head and we don't serve the poor. We can't do that. We have to do everything as the church. And so we need all of the gifts working together, functioning properly in order for the church to accomplish the mission that Christ has called us to. And today, what we've been doing is just kind of going through 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. We're just following Paul's, uh, Paul's train of thought as he's going through this. And today, we're going to talk about what the core of the Christian life is. And the vital component that we can't miss in any of the Christian life, but especially when it comes to how we are to interact with one another in the church in the functioning of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that is love. So chapters 12 and 14 are Paul's longest treatment of the gifts of the Spirit. He's primarily focused on correcting an overuse of the gift of tongues in the Corinthian church. And what comes right between 12 and 14 is? 13. Well done. Thanks, Elaine. Some of you are paying attention. Okay. <laughs> Counting's hard sometimes. Okay. So 12, <laughs> right in the middle of chapter 12 and 14 is 13, which is the love chapter. So you've probably heard this chapter read at weddings, and uh, yeah, and it's appropriate to be read at weddings, okay? So this is in the context of the church, but it's appropriate to be read at weddings because uh, the lovely couple should be members of the same church together, okay? That's kind of important. So uh, chapter 13 is the love chapter, and Paul takes the entire chapter to just pause and talk about love. So remember, the church is fighting, the church is in tension because uh, there's an overuse of the gift of tongues and they're asking Paul, what does it really look like to be a spiritual person? Is it this gift of tongues? Does everybody have to speak in tongues in order to be a spirit-filled person and to live a spirit-filled life? Paul's answer is unequivocally no. And it is uh, much broader than that. The spirit works in different ways in a lot of people. But what he focuses on here is love. 
He just pauses and he says, hey guys, without love, we are nothing. <laughs> and he says it in very strong words, which these words are so familiar to us that we just read it and we don't realize how strong they are. So I'm going to just do your best as I'm reading through these to first and foremost, just kind of try to view it for the first time again. I know it's really hard to do, but as you hear these words, just reflect on what the words mean in themselves and don't just go on to the next thing of what it says. That's what happens when we hear these words so many times is they just become words to us and we forget to actually focus on what they mean. Uh, I'm also going to ask you to ignore like, some of the cheesy phrases that I'm going to say. I know I'm just going like, to accidentally fall into some of these phrases that sound like bad romantic comedy movies. Because when you talk about love, like, I just don't know how to not fall into these. So, so go ahead and laugh about them. Uh, give a little chuckle, laugh about them later too. That's fine. I will when I think about what I said. But um, just please give me a little bit of grace in there. <laughs> and also, I want to say this too. Like, I've been talking about this a lot lately. So like, as I came up against this, we talked about this in the fruit of the Spirit, the beginning of it, because the first fruit of the Spirit is love, right? We've been talking about this a lot over the last year, the last couple of years. And one, as I'm going through the text, or as we go through any topic, it is so prevalent in Scripture that it's always right there, <laughs> that I can't avoid it. So it's right in front of us everywhere we go. And I keep bringing it up also because it's just so vitally important to the Christian life. And especially in churches like ours, we're evangelical in our theology. We're in our ecclesiology, which is our church, uh, the theology of what the church should be like and how we do church. We're evangelical. And in the evangelical church, there's this just prevalent disease it's an epidemic that has spread across the churches to where we have replaced love as the supreme virtue with something else. And in many churches, it's power. We've sought to gain influence through power and not love. We try to change people from a position of power and authority instead of loving people and allowing God to change them. We try to legislate our morality through power instead of influence through self-sacrificial love. We've lost love as the supreme virtue of the Christian life. And in doing so, I think we as the evangelical church have lost the way of Jesus. I'm painting with a broad brush here. Because the way of Jesus is love. Period. End of story. Scott McKnight has a book called The Jesus Creed, <laughs> and I love it. Because that's, he says, this is the creed of Jesus. If you were, he's a New Testament professor. And he says, this is, if you were to summarize the teaching of Jesus, it's love God and love people. Right? And pretty much everything that Jesus teaches and does in his life and ministry can be summed up in that. Love. Love God. Love people. And so to lose the way of love is to lose the way of Jesus. When we are to be Christian, which is, a follower of Christ. So if we're not following the way of love, then we are not being discipled by Jesus. We are being discipled by something or someone else. So here's the words that Paul says. And they're strong. <laughs> so remember, he's talking about spiritual gifts. There's fighting about 
those who perceive they have the greater gifts, they're diminishing those who have the lesser gifts, and those who have the lesser gifts are jealous of those who have the greater gifts. And Paul is saying, eagerly desire the greater gifts. He says, like prophecy, e- eagerly desire to prophesy, and to teach, and he puts tongues down at the bottom of the list. He says, eagerly desire those, that's fine. And yet, I will show you the most excellent way. I think some of us need to highlight that. Some of us need to put that someplace where we'll see it every day. That this, what he's about to describe in chapter 13, is the most excellent way. Because it is the way of Jesus. He says, if I speak in the tongues, notice he, he's, he's switched to the first person. So he's talking about himself. He's including himself in this too. Because he needs to be reminded of this. He has been gifted by God in great ways to do amazing things. He's seen miracles done. He's performed miracles. He's, he's taught in cities where people have come to know Jesus and believed in him. He's done amazing things. He's carried the gospel as an apostle of Christ to new places. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, that's pretty much a direct uh, statement towards those who are abusing the gift of tongues. The, the tongue of angels is what he's describing now. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. So what he's saying is if I, if, if I can speak in tongues, if I, or even if I can communicate with God in that way as they believed was a manifestation of the spirit when somebody would speak in tongues in the church says if I could do that but I'm not doing it out of love which again is a direct criticism of those who are overusing and abusing the gift of tongues I'm only a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal I'm a useless annoying noise (laughs) is what he's saying and notice I am Okay, so this, is, this is a deeply personal statement of his identity, right? This isn't, this isn't like, a, like, I'm like a gong. No, I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. He goes on. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am Nothing. Just hear those words for the first time again. Like, without love, if you have performed all of these miraculous things, faith that can move mountains, taking the words of Jesus, right? Or if I have the gift of prophecy, you can fathom all mysteries. I get everything. I have all of the intelligence. God has given me words to speak to other people, and I get it all. But I don't love well. I'm nothing. Love is the supreme virtue of the Christian life. So we can't make things like teaching, things like prophecy, things like speaking in tongues or eloquence from the pulpit. We can't make those the mark of spiritual maturity. The mark of spiritual maturity is nothing but love. Love has to be central. If we don't have that, then we're not spiritually mature. Period. End of story. If I give all I possess to the poor, so I'm super generous, and give up my body to hardship, if I'm persecuted, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So if this isn't motivated out of love, then he's 
gaining nothing from his generosity, from his self-sacrifice for the gospel message. So love, as Dallas Willard describes it, is an internal movement of the heart that moves us to act in the best interest of another. So love cannot be seen, but what he's getting at here, too, is the actions that we do can seem to be motivated by love, but indeed they may not be. So I can see somebody who has prophetic giftings, who has amazing teaching giftings, somebody who is giving all they possess to the poor. They're super generous. They have even been persecuted for the faith. If, I, if I'm watching somebody do all that stuff, my first inclination is that's a very spiritual person. Paul says, maybe not. <laughs> because there is a reality in which somebody can do all that stuff but not be motivated by love. It could be motivated by something else. So what this calls us to is first and foremost to really check our own heart. To spend a lot of time sitting alone with God and saying, God, what is driving me? What is driving me to participate in church? What's driving me to serve? What's driving me to come to church and be a part of this community? What's motivating me to help and love others? Is it genuine love for them? Or is it some need for self-affirmation in some other way? Now, all of us this side of heaven will have a mix of both, <laughs> right? The goal of the Christian life is to grow in love so that more of what motivates us is love and not some form of selfishness, which is very tricky to uncover in our own heart because we're very good at deceiving ourselves. So when we read this, this should give us great pause to say, whoa, like I could, I could live a life like Paul, Paul's experienced pretty much all of these things. I could live a life like the Apostle Paul and be nothing, gain nothing, and just be a resounding gong or clanging cymbal if I'm not motivated by love. Because remember, love is what the Spirit of God produces in the believer. So if you are in Christ, he will do this. But there is a world in which we can do all of these things on the outside that people see, but we're not motivated by love. I don't know about you, but that scares me a little bit. <laughs> and it causes me to sit in some deep reflection time, to search my own heart and see if there's any wicked way in me. Because we need to be motivated by genuine love. And the only way to do that is to seek the Spirit of God to produce that within us. I don't preach this text this way at weddings, just to be clear, okay? You're like, man, you're coming on harsh on the poor wedding guests. They're just there to celebrate. You're like, you stink. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this at a wedding. I save it for you guys on Sunday. All right. <laughs> All right. So now, now Paul's going to go on to describe it. So he's just said, okay, basically, there is this world in which we can do all of these things and not be motivated by love, and in doing so, we're nothing, and we're not doing the Christian life right. We're failing, if that's the case. Um, but he's going to now go into this description of some of the actions that genuine love produces in a believer. Love is it's, it's really difficult to define. It's impossible to know uh, externally. So we can know if we're motivated by love or something else on our own, but we can't really for sure identify it in the life of another person. What Paul is trying to do here is just give us some cues. 
Okay, so what we're looking for is growth in these attributes over time. Okay, and I would encourage you to think not days, weeks, months, but years. Okay, think how am I growing in these over time? How is the people that I know and care for growing in these over time? People that are close to me in these attributes. Because again, we can't actually see love. So this is Paul just trying to articulate for us what are some of the actions that love produces. He says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Band, you guys can come and get set up. To live the most excellent way, we must ask ourselves just two questions. Oh, man. I didn't put more of the slide in there, did I? There's a few more verses that I wanted to read. <laughs> Let's go to there. All right. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. And then in verse 7, sorry, I didn't put it up there on the screen. It always protects. So probably a better translation of that is it, it bears all things. It always bears all things is the better translation, I think, there. But he puts always in front of all of these to emphasize the consistency and the universality of it. It always bears bears difficult times together. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres, or it never gives up. We'll apply, we'll apply it in a few minutes, but questions that I want us to consider today is one, simply am I a person of love based on the characteristics that Paul described? And two, are we a community of love? I'm going to give us some time to just sit and reflect on this after we sing. But before we do so, we're going to take communion together today, and we're going to do so right now. Um, and what we're doing in taking communion is reflecting on the greatest love that ever was, as the song goes. We're reflecting on the greatest loving act of Jesus giving himself, motivated by love for us, to save us. And with him as our model, and with the spirit of God whom he gives us, empowering this within us and producing this within us, we must be people of love who've This is our chief virtue. The communion elements are set up in the back. And as you hold on to the elements in your hand, I just want you to reflect on Jesus' love for you. If this is what love means, this is the ultimate defining act of love, just reflect on how he's loved you and just sit with that. And thank him, as we're going to do together. The elements are in the back. I'll go back first. Front rows, follow me. 
When the row in front of you finishes, follow me into back, into the back and grab the cups. There's two cups. The bread is on the bottom and the juice is on the top. And hold on to it together and then we'll partake together. But as you sit, just reflect on the love of Christ for you and his sacrifice on the cross. pray with me first for the bread. Lord, as we hold the bread in our hands, we're reminded of how you love us. That Jesus in you is the demonstration and the model of perfect love. That Lord, you, that you left heaven, you were incarnated. You entered into the pain and the suffering of a world corrupted by sin. Lord, in doing so, you experienced pain, you experienced grief, you experienced loss. Ultimately, Lord, you experience the pain and the burden of carrying the world's sin. You experience the cross. You humbled yourself to the cross. Lord, we're reminded that that's what love is. We're reminded of how you love us, that you'd be willing to undergo such pain and torment for us. So, Lord, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your sacrifice as we partake of the bread. Let's partake of the bread together. Would you pray with me for the cup as well? Lord Jesus, Lord, we are sinful. Lord, we have offended you in so many ways. And yet, Lord, because of your love and your mercy, you were willing to take the punishment that we deserved. You took the penalty that our sin deserved to make us right before God. Lord, you didn't have to do that. But you did because you love us. And so, Lord, we're so grateful for you, for making us a way to be made right with the Father through your sacrifice on the cross, through your blood that was shed for us that cleanses us from our unrighteousness. So Lord, all of our faith and trust is in you for our salvation. And we thank you for your work on the cross that saves us. And we remember that as we partake. Let's partake of the cup together. Would you guys stand? Let's sing a few more songs together. God, we thank you for your love and your faithfulness. Lord, that we can look to you as our source of goodness in a world of corruption and evil. Now, Lord, we can trust that you are good. Lord, when my my heart is not good. Thank you, Lord, for the work of the Spirit in our lives that makes us more like Christ that produces fruit in us to love, to love more like Jesus day by day. Jesus, you are our model for how to love, for how to live a spirit-filled life. Help us to live like you, Lord, empowered by your spirit throughout the day, not in our own strength, but in yours, Lord. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. You guys can have a seat for a few moments.
<clears throat> All right. As I said, if we want to live the most excellent way, we have to ask ourselves these questions when we approach this text. One, am I a person of love? And I said at the beginning of the sermon that, that us losing the way of love is to lose the way of Jesus in the church, and there's an epidemic of that in the church. This text also reveals another epidemic or another disease within the church, and that is simply in how we read Scripture. If you've ever read this text before in your personal devotional time, and you've read it as just like a cute, fuzzy little description of love, you're reading Scripture wrong. You're reading Scripture, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, not against yourself, but for yourself. Scripture is first to be read as a critique of our sinful heart and of our sinful nature. And if you read this text through this lens, this shines a light on the sinfulness of your heart as well as just about any other text in Scripture. And the second thing we need to do with this text is say, are we a community of love? Oh, no. It's every single one. I meant to put them all up there. <laughs> there we go. Okay. So, in that first vein, reading Scripture as a critique against our own sinful nature and of our heart. Look at this list. Patience. <laughs> critique your patience. <laughs> how, how patient are you? How have you grown in patience over the last four or five years, let's say? Kindness. Do you desire to be kind? Do you, do you long to be a more kind person who cares about somebody else's needs and how you can meet their needs? Or do you tend towards the side of what it is not? Being proud, boastful, envious of others. And if you're honest with yourself, this shines a light on the sinfulness of your heart. Because so much of my motives tend to be on the right side and not the left or the bottom. We want to keep score. We want to be easily angered. We fly off the handle too quickly. And so often, injustice or evil is something that we desire far more than truth and goodness, if we're honest with ourselves. We see that in the media that we consume, the types of things that we love to watch and enjoy, right? And then at the bottom, always, remember he puts always in front of all of those, bears the burden Love always bears the burden together with the people that you love. It trusts. Trusts in the work of the Holy Spirit in transforming the life of the person that you love. It trusts in the other person's integrity and their goodwill. Love hopes. It doesn't give up hope that God will continue to change the person, continue to change your own sinful nature. And it always hopes that when Jesus returns, he will make all things right. And when we do this together in community, that's a sign of genuine Christian love. And love always endures. Love doesn't quit. It doesn't give up. It doesn't throw in the towel and say, I've had enough. Love endures. 
So first thing I want you to do is just sit and reflect on this for just a moment. Look at that list. I'm guessing one or two, all of them, maybe jump out at you as, as areas where, man, you're like, Spirit of God, I need you to help me. Would you produce this within me so that my love might be demonstrated in this? Either lessening of the things on the right or producing more of the things on the left. So just spend a moment on the, the one or two that just caught your attention. And just spend a moment praying. Say, God, help me. To help me produce, produce this within me so that I can be more like Christ. Just sit and reflect on that. This is, this is going to be our application today. I'm just giving you time to sit and reflect. Because I know it's so hard for us to find time to do this in our daily life. So just sit for a moment and reflect on one of those and pray that the Spirit of God would produce this in you. The second question I asked is, are we becoming more of a community of love? And so this is the ideal picture of a community of love that Paul is describing. Now I get it. <laughs> we're all corrupted by sin. And our community is corrupted by sin. So we're never going to experience perfection in this, this side of the new creation. But the idea is that us as a community should be growing together in these areas. <laughs> it's hard to imagine a community that always endures, <laughs> right? If we're honest, it's hard to imagine that in our culture. A, com a church community that endures all things together. It's hard, to, it's, hard to, it's hard to imagine. But that's the ideal. That's what we're called to pursue. Nothing short of that, right? Because that's what love does. hard to imagine a Christian community that isn't envious of each other for what the other has. That's what we're called to do and to grow in these things. 
I remember when I was young and in high school and started like, dating, having relationships, all this stuff. My dad was a pastor. And I'd, I'd come to him with questions about how to relate to somebody or what to do in this or that circumstance when somebody had offended me. or I didn't know what to do. And his answer would always be so simple. Just love him. And he'd say the same when he was talking about situations at church where people were being incredibly difficult. <laughs> he would say, I'm just going to love them. And when I was younger and more foolish, I would always think, Dad, it's too simple. <laughs> like, theoretically, it's too simple. Like, you got to have something else to give me that can make the situation better. The older I get, the more I see the wisdom in his words. That we can't change people. We don't change people in and of ourselves. That is not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to love. To love people. To bear the burden of their stupidity with them. <laughs> Sometimes. Right? to endure with them the hardships of life, to just continue on. I love the word endure. It just means like remain under. <laughs> if you translate it literally, it's just like stay there. Stay with them. Just stay is what the word means. Just stay, be present. So one of the greatest pieces of advice is to just love them. <laughs> just love people within the church. Just love each other. Amen. <laughs> I remember listening to an Andy Stanley sermon a long time ago. I got to give him credit for this, and I think it's brilliant. He said when his, when his daughter was of dating age, he said he loved a Taylor Swift song. Um, I think it's called When You're 15 or something like that. And the song says, like, she says, when you're 15 and someone tells you that they love you, you're going to believe them. <laughs> and the whole theme of the song is like, because you're young and naive when you're 15. And he's, he he's publicly is like, thank you, Taylor, for that song for my daughter. Um, <laughs> and it always brings me back to this. Like, this is going to be my message for my kids when they come to the dating age is love this is what it looks like. <laughs> when somebody says that they love you, look to these things and say, do you? <laughs> Don't be immature and think, like, just because they said it and I get this warm, fuzzy feeling that that's what love is. Nope. Look to this. Growth in these qualities over time. I'm going to tell my kids, look for, think, years, not weeks. <laughs> Growth in these. Does the person desire to grow in patience and have you seen them become a more patient person over time? Are they easily angered? And are they growing in that over time? Do they desire to stop being so easily angered? Are they boasting about themselves and their achievements? Because that's not what love does. And so these actions over time display genuine love for one another. 
So the challenge is, are we going to be a community of love? And if we are, we need to look for these within the lives of each other. Now, these don't show or prove love. Because remember, love is not something that we can see. But we're looking to these qualities as the indicators of spiritual maturity. Because these are harder to fake over time, over years. And so often in the church, we've looked to other things for the indicators of spiritual maturity. Or as Pete Scazzaro in his book, book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, says, we want to make love the measure of maturity. So we've looked to things like giftedness or success in ministry as the indication of the measure of Christian maturity. And that's led us to platforming Christian leaders who weren't acting out of love, but acting out of self-interest and have done great harm to the church at large. We look to things like knowledge for spiritual maturity to say, this person must be real mature because they can quote X number of Bible verses and every time you ask them a question, they can find the chapter and verse of exactly where it is. It's good, it's good to know, but it's not the mark of spiritual maturity. Or we look to things like charisma how passionately somebody can talk about religious matters as the mark of spiritual maturity. Guys, I've seen it so many times in people. We look to these as the marks of spiritual maturity, and so we elevate people. Somebody who's charismatic, somebody who has great Bible knowledge, but then when you look at their life around them, they don't love well. The people closest to them will tell you that they don't love them well. That's an immature Christian. So we want to be a community who does these things well, who loves one another well. And we only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. So would you guys pray with me? And then we're going to sing one more song before we close. Lord, yet again, would you produce love within us as a community? Help us to be a community that doesn't envy one another, that doesn't dishonor each other, that isn't proud. Help us to be a community that is patient with each other. That we will wait for your Spirit's work in the lives of the people we love. That we'll be kind to one another. That we would desire kindness. Lord, help us to bear all things together. Help us to trust that, Lord, you are at work in the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, give us perseverance to endure. To endure the difficulties and the hard times together. Lord, this is a high bar. And a bar that we cannot achieve in and of ourselves and of our own strength. So Spirit of God, would you produce this in us as you produce the gifts in us. More foundationally, would you produce love. That we be a community known by our love in Jesus. That that would be our calling card would be how we love each other and how we love you, God. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing a little bit more together. Uh, Seth and Amy are in the back, and they'd love to pray with you if you need prayer.